Welcome to Rogue News. We are the preeminent geostrategic, geoeconomic, and geopolitical news show on YouTube and on the web. Join us for hard-hitting analysis, behind-the-scenes strategy, and brutal commentary. Find out why many consider us the place to get their news and information. Check us out at roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News, Facebook, and most of the popular podcasting apps. Most of all, remember to subscribe, like, comment, and share. Corrupt corridors of Wall Street to the lords of the City of London. From the gold markets of the Pacific Rim and the Far East comes the, the Guerrilla Economist. He clears the fog of economic and geopolitical disinfo. Know the truth. See the trends. Understand the players. Protect your future and family. The financial freedom fighter, a rebel with a cause. This worldwide transmission has been brought to you by V, the Guerrilla Economist. Helping the world understand, prepare, and make sound decisions to protect your future and your family. Visit V, the Guerrilla Economist at roguemoney.net. Spelt R-O-G-U-E-M-O-N-E. God, I love that retro. That was so old school, I loved it. Brought tear to my eye. You know, JP out in Scotland did that for me in literally two minutes. Wow. Two to five minutes, he put that whole riff together, did the whole speaking thing, put in the lines, and I was like, dude, this is a masterpiece. Holy crap. Did you not give him a script or anything? He just no. like, put that out himself as an artist? He, yeah. Wow. He belted that out himself. I almost fell off my chair. From the from the corrupt corridors of Wall Street to the lords of the city of London. Should we play it again? I'm just kidding. Huh? <laughs> 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 play it again. <laughs> Uh, anyway, cool. good really day, everyone. It is the one and only Matthew Aird is with us. He is the brain trust at large. You can find him over at CanadianPatriot.org, CanadianPatriot.org, as well as the Rising Tide Foundation.net. And make sure you get all of his books because the volumes keep expanding. And also the work of his better half, Cynthia Chung. She just released an awesome new book that you got to get, which is the what is it, The Empire of the Black Sun. The Empire on which the Black Sun never set, which you yes. can get right there. Yeah, if you scroll down into the uh, the front page of the website, the Canadian Patriot website, there it is. The Birth of International go. Fascism and Anglo-American Foreign Policy. It is uh, it's scary. It's a scary read. A magnum opus into all into the origins of the deep state, my friend. That is it. Into basically the the insane criminal policies that we run, that we pass off as foreign policy. This book, Cynthia lays it out. Make sure you go there, get it. It's a great, great book for your bookshelf, for your coffee table, or your half asleep, semi lucid relative who's just trumbling through life. Uh, you want to wake him up. It's a way, great way to do it. And with yeah. that being said, Matt, happy new year, man. Happy new year, guys. Happy new year, CJ, and happy yes. new year, V. Yeah, no, that was yeah. uh, how's your uh, how's your new year's? It was good. I, I mean, I can't complain. Um, I, I went into the new year with a torn bicep. Uh, my bicep is t- still torn. Oh, yeah, right. I'm, I'm not going to fix it. I'm just going to rehab it as best I can. Um, so far, New Year's, yeah, dude, it's just more more challenges. The industries are changing. Yeah. Uh, gold markets are starting to change, which tells me that they're getting nervous. Right now, 
like before, I mean, take this out, man. We used to like, you know, move gold for clients and, you know, some clients, they take, you know, physical delivery and the domestic American gold market is, you know, there's not a lot of big players, you know, not, not, not anybody here that that's like, a you know, it's, it's a small thing here in the U S right. Yeah. And you're not going to have like large orders. Right. And now all of a sudden it's like, we're having like international orders that come, you know, that come through. And all of a sudden, man, it's like the federal government is checking every single order at, at, at you know, at the ports. They're, you know, the, um, uh, cu- the, the customs department is, is, is they want to know where it's going, who's it for. They want to know the person's photo ID. They even request the social security numbers, which has never happened before. That is alarming. That is alarming. Yeah, yeah, when you're talking about big orders, I, I mean, we're talking here like over hundreds of ounces at a time, or like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah like yeah, big if, you, if, okay. if, if you're getting like a couple hundred ounces of silver, gold, especially, yeah, they want to know where it's going. They want to yeah, know the yeah, person's yeah. name. They want to know the person's social security number. Mm-hmm. And now I heard that the current taxing rate for gold, if you have gold, you're holding the United States, you want to liquidate and take profit. Now they're there, I think it's raised right now to 28.9%, which is higher than capital gains, mm. which is insane. Mm. So that tells me, with all these recent moves, right? Yeah. That tells me um, that they are trying to restrict access for the average American to, you know, they're trying to restrict access to gold, access also to cryptos. I mean, yeah. scam bankman fraud with the whole FTX BS that happened. He, like I said before, he, the man was the suicide bomber who got into a truck, laden with explosives, and drove it directly into the industry, exploding it. Yeah. I mean, th- there's, there's some good things that happened to him. There's some bad things. Good things is a lot of uh, insolvent exchanges are going to be going belly up. We've already have eight bankruptcies in the last you know three weeks. Probably mm-hmm. the ninth one is going to happen in another week or two. Mm-hmm. Um you're, but what is the so the, that's that's a positive. Well, these uh, nefarious idiots are getting purged out because they never have the liquidity to begin with. But on the uh, but on the negative side of things, the only players that are going to be left is the large institutional legacy finance Wall Street City of London players. So they're putting mm-hmm. a stranglehold on that. You know. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It's getting so that just tells me when I see. Constraints happening in the precious metals market, which was always off the radar, which was never not a big thing. I mean, you wanted to, you know, put an order in for, you know, fifty thousand dollars or fifty million dollars, and 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 you wanted it delivered anywhere into into, into the United States. You want to have it vaulted in L.A., vaulted in Chicago, New York. I mean, there's several LBMA vaults here. It was never a problem. Now mm. it's it's an issue. It's mm. an issue that I've never seen. When you see these types of restrictions come into play. That's how you know the powers that be all of a sudden are getting nervous. All of a sudden they're starting to care because that means when they start caring about crypto and gold, that means the the paper fiat scheme is running out of steam. Yeah, there, there's less for them to play with. And I mean, you, you could see yeah. that too. You guys saw, saw the FDIC, right? The Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation oh had a, uh, a an emergency sort of table, not a, what are these tabletop exercises uh, yeah. slash yeah. brainstorming sessions? And they publicized mm-hmm. some of their stuff, but they wanted to keep it still low key. It was filmed. Um, where they're discussing the how the the systemically important too big to fail banks are going to coordinate with the government to deal with the oncoming or the next wave of uh, breakdown of the financial system, 
And they were basically discussing here, the whole thing was bail-ins. How do you, how do you break it to the American people and the Canadian people ultimately? Cause we have our own Canadian deposit insurance corporation. And, you know, every, every country has a variant of insurance on your savings and, and other forms of viable, you know, components of the banking system. Um, but how are we going to break it to them that uh, we don't really have any, we've kind of used up all of our gas in terms of printing money out of thin air. And we're going to have to do something new now involving bail-ins. Oh, there it is. Yeah. Okay. And this is something with such a joke to hear these guys uncomfortably talking about how, well, we're going to have to tell the people somehow we got to message it out there and, and, and let them know that certain types of new asset classes are going to have to be created that are going to be converted into bank stock. And in in, when any, what do they call now? Uh, yeah. Systemically important. Yeah. Geo, 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 or geosystemically important institutions. That's it. Yeah, Something like that. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. yeah. If they or they might pass all the banks in general or, or get rid of all the banks in general. You know, they have no use, no purpose to them. <laughs> Well, you know, that's the other option. Well, here's the other thing. On a retail level, you might say that we, there's no use for the bank, correct? But yeah. on an institutional level, there is a use, especially in the currency trade, bond trade, all the other things that are vital for a for a fictitious entity like the U.S. government to exist. And for most of these Western governments, you got to have that scheme. And they don't have – and the federal government doesn't have the capacity to do so. But yeah. on a retail small level, look at HSBC. You look at uh, other banks like HSBC. A lot of banks are pulling out of retail banking. Retail oh, banking yeah. is right now gone into much smaller, more you know, smaller players. Look at uh, Acorn and all these. Uh, what is the other thing? The uh, 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 it's called Eddie or, or or Benjamin or one of these uh, apps you can download and and it's your own bank. You get your your direct deposits into it. It's held on your phone. Uh, they give you a debit card. Everything's going decentralized. There's a lot more banks that have popped up, which I call them copy and paste banks. So they'll set it up. They'll have all the, you know, the banking licenses and whatnot. And all their wires are handled by the big banks. Like J.P. Morgan will clear the wire for, let's just say, uh, um, um, a yeah. bank like Revolut, which is uh, uh, big in, uh, in, in the U.K., which is, again, uh, right. mobile. It's on your phone. You can have your, your, your direct deposits in there. They'll give you a, a debit card. And, of course, mobile, with mobile payments, you don't even need a debit card anymore. And then their wires in the U.S. will be handled by J.P. Morgan, and in the U.K. it's handled by Barclays. So this is the way it's it's, it's changing the game, you know. The, the so now, uh, you see, if you want to play that whole FDIC thing, maybe a few minutes of it, because uh, you you know what you know what they're really going to say is like, how do we, what do we do when we bail in um, uh, Americans' bank accounts? What do we do? And watch the geniuses. They're well, be like, yeah, well, how do we deal with the bank runs? Like people are going to yeah. want to take their money out. But well, we that's what they're going to do. That's what they're going to do. do that, but then yeah, it's like, that, why are you going to steal their money? Like, it's well, here, they already have it set up, Matt. They already have it set up. They're going to say, well, what are we going to do when, 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 uh, when, when we got to bail in and steal the 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 the, the, the citizenry's uh, money that they have saved? Well, well, how do we offset? How do we lessen the blow? How do we cushion the blow? And watch yeah. the setup. It's not going to be said in this meeting. But the real meet, but the real setup for this, okay, this is all the preparatory work. But the real meet, setup for this is central bank issued digital currencies. Yeah. Bamo, go ahead, Siege. Play. Well, and, and Jamie Dimon let the cat out of the bag a while back when he said that Chase plans to exit credit card business in the next ten to fifteen years. Oh yeah, yeah. can't forget about that. That's pretty significant. Okay, here we go. It should be accessible people need to know but i don't think you have much hope of, of reaching a public that doesn't have a professional need to know i i completely agree with that 
I almost think you'd scare the public if you put this out. Like, why are they telling me this? Should I be concerned about my bank? Like, my insurance company doesn't tell me what they're doing with my assets. They just assume they're going to pay my claim. Right. It's, it's, I, I think you've got to think of the unintended consequences of oh, taking sure. a public that has more full faith and confidence in the banking system than maybe people in this room do <laughs> that we want them to have full faith and confidence in the banking system. They know the FDIC insurance is there. They know it works. They put their money in. They're going to get their money out. So there, there's a select crowd of people that are in the institutional side. And if they want to understand this, they're going to find a way to understand this. There's a bunch of law firms represented in this room. There's a bunch of people that charge them by the hour, a lot of money to explain this all to them. And, and, and it's fine. I don't have a, I don't have a problem with that. And they all have huge staffs. But I would be careful about the unintended consequences of starting to blast too much of this out in the general public. These <laughs> <laughs> guys are just collapsing into their own lies. It's just it's too much. When you start building. <laughs> a castle on sand it's going to come down on you and then they're 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 dealing with that now yeah i don't i don't have the link up but there was an interesting article that also pointed out and i didn't even think about this but for over seven trillion dollars of depositors funds the fdic only has assets of 1.3 billion yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that. that's that, this is why americans i've been saying it since gate day i was gonna say game one day one and that is this FDIC says that you will be paid, read the fine print, on an interest-bearing account, right? And if you look at a lot of accounts, a lot of people think they have an interest-bearing account, like a checking account or a savings account. Oftentimes, you don't. And if you have, like, a, a, a certificate of deposit uh, uh, account, you're getting, like, 0.25% interest, right? Yeah. So the FDIC says you will be paid back in a bank failure or an economic collapse or whatnot or things go belly up or sideways. You will be paid back anywhere between zero to 99 years because you are, it's not your money anymore when you deposit in a bank. Because the legal jargon behind that is you are an unsecured creditor, in other words, you are the last person to be paid right. in a bank bail in. And this also works in Canada, UK, and the much of the rest of the Western world because we have brilliant leaders that lead us, Matthew. How do you, how do you, um, I, I'd read um, a, a policy study that was discussing the importance, and I think it was Mark Carney who was on this like um, team looking at the importance of um, nursing pension funds, teacher pension plans, things like that, mutual funds in order to get uh, access to big, big chunks of, uh, I guess you could say assets to bail in um, the bank. Because otherwise, if they, if they focus too much on people's individualized <clears throat> savings accounts and stuff like that, it won't fly. Like people will obviously, as soon as people get a, get a smell of this, they're going to pull their money out, bank run, mm -hmm. bam. But they were saying, well, you know, these these funds represent hundreds of billions, if not more dollars. Um, and they're managed by people whose job it is to simply get a return for those who have invested, who are waiting for their pensions. But the people who have their money locked into it don't generally know too much about where your, your pension mm -hmm. money is. Is, is is being invested um so it could be you know esgs other other things that are ultimately just geopolitical they don't really have an intention to build anything or create value they're just done to promote windmills you know other things like that but also conversion bonds and they, I, I remember this discussion coming up that a big chunk of these investments could be put into the uh, new conversion bonds that could be converted you know so that you get a certain return 
maybe they make it a, a lucrative return um, more so than your typical bond, but their government bond. But the the catch is when a too big to fail bank goes bust, it'll convert into bank stock to keep the bank capitalized. Um, did you guys hear about that one? Like how these these mutual funds and, and other pension funds are being used? Oh, yeah, it, it, it's terrible. I remember I was invited to the city of Fresno, California, police and firemen's pension fund, which was managed at that time. I don't know if it still is. And this is going quite a few years back. This was managed uh, at that time by the same company that managed the pension fund for the state of Ohio. Yeah. If you know anything about the state of Ohio, their pension fund went from a net positive to a net negative rather rapidly and quickly. The The management company drove it into the ground. And so the, 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 the firemen, a part of the firemen, they were like they wanted to take a portion, not all their pension, but a portion of it and put it into gold as and then have it vaulted under the uh, under the uh, under the auspices of the firefighters or the right. fire organization's name in a vault in California, have it completely insured just in case on a rainy day, right? Kind of like how the teachers union in Texas did uh, with the Texas Gold Depository, right? And uh, the uh, the fund managers they came out with an overt no, right? They're like, oh no, we're not going to do that, and I'm like, you guys are 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 doomed, and because these fund managers. Dude, they they misappropriate anything and everything, mm-hmm. and their whole entire thing is, you know, oh, you know, two percent return or three to four percent, that that'd be wonderful. It the way they're investing people's money, nobody has any clue. And this is the problem with us in the modern West. It's somebody else that's teaching our kids. Yeah, it's somebody else handling our retirement. It's somebody else managing our investments. It's somebody else. It's somebody else. It's somebody else. It's somebody else doing everything for us, and we check out. You know, yeah. and and now we're about to pay the piper in a very big and major way when all these things, right, start unraveling. Because the number one thing that any one of these uh, fund managers will tell you, it's not the client's funds that are most important. It is the performance of the firm. It's it's volume, right? That's the most important thing, how much volume they can make. And it doesn't matter what happens to the client's fund. And, we're at, and look, here's the thing. With this whole FTX thing, and I keep bringing it up, there was a lot of poo-pooing by legacy finance on all these crypto exchanges that were insolvent and didn't have the, the backing to back all the cryptos that they were, quote-unquote, exchanging and trading with. But that is the kettle calling the pot black because n- n- legacy finance, when you look at legacy finance, they have no money either. 40% of the companies on the Dow Industrial, over 40% are insolvent. They make no money. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I mean, it, it, we're in a realm, Matt, where it's like prosperity yeah. without profits, man. Well, it's I mean, crazy. I mean, I was just on, on a side note. We get back, we can get back to the banking thing because I do want to like go a little bit into the history of this thing and what, yeah. what what made the FDIC come into being and what made what how a banking system would be viable in terms of what FDR did. We could talk a little bit. I want to talk a little bit about that. But on that note that you just brought up, look, California just passed a law. I just read about this last night. I was shocked, not surprised, but still shocked that uh, they just banned any truck that is old, that was made before 2010. You guys heard about this? Yeah. Coming into their ports to pick up goods coming in from California, which represents 40% of the goods coming into the United States, coming through California ports. And they just banned any truck made before the year 2010 from doing that job, which represents 70,000 trucks yep. that they just took completely during a time of increasing scarcity being created out of the wazoo 
I mean, fertilizers, food production, basic, basic things we've been taking for granted for a long time on top of the energy scarcity, all of it's artificial. But in the midst of this, when you also have food production systems, supply chains being consciously broken down, not just from a pandemic, but you actually have arson, you've got two years worth of sabotage of, of major food production facilities all across North America. Now you take 70,000 trucks out of, out of the game. Yep. I mean, it's just like you said. Let me ask you a question, Matt. Yeah. These people who, who, uh, what are the odds that the people that created this law of any trucks prior to 2010 or, or, you know, it has to be like, you know, more, it has to be younger than 2010. What are the odds that these people are not experts in, in the respective fields that they're, uh, governing, right? Oh, they have no idea. They have no idea. What are the odds that these people have zero clue on how even the supply chain works? Zero clue on the logistics and 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 the sheer magnitude Mm -hmm. of the complexity of the of of the of of the supply chain and all the reverberations that occur when there's a misstep that occurs. No, they're not experts in any. They're lawyers. They're they're, in in they're terrible lawyers. They're not even good at law. <laughs> oh God, man, it's unbelievable, man. They should have a law that people who hold respective positions actually have to have a degree in knowledge in the in in in, in the respective uh, thing that they're regulating and/or governing. Otherwise, you can't it, have the job. It, it's called a meritocracy, and and this is actually when you read Benjamin Franklin, um, read his writings and his thoughts mm-hmm. on government in the years leading up to the American Revolution. He was very clear that the only way a society, a democratic republic could ever be viable is if you use a meritocratic system whereby people, that basically just means fancy words, right? It just means that the people who manage are qualified. They've merited the position of authority that they ha- they currently uh, wield. That's all it is. You can't be born into the right family, be tapped on the shoulder to be, to be part of this, you know, very, whatever uh, hereditary skull and bones club or whatever. None of that. You have to demonstrate competency you could be born into a higher family, okay, like a, a, a blue blood family, whatever, but you have to be able to demonstrate competence in whatever it is that you want to manage. You want to be a minister in charge of infrastructure? Well, you got to be an engineer. You have to demonstrate that you've worked in the field for a certain period so that you have a, an appreciation for what it is that you're going to be doing. And it means also that you could be a so-called lowborn, right? What Like a regular human being born from a regular class that demonstrates that that you are you have wisdom you have worked on developing capacities and thus you could find yourself as president of the United States as John Quincy Adams or 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 Lincoln had demonstrated you know so it, it's basically just that and and Ben Franklin had studied the Chinese system of meritocracy for a yeah. long time he published the works of Confucius and the Analects into the United States it was his printing presses that were the first to publish Confucius Confucius's thought and he made a lot of push to, to try to, you know, organize and, and make sure that you don't have a government ba- based on graft or how much money you can get to buy a position, but rather just that thing we're talking about. Unfortunately, too few people listened to him. And instead, we ended up getting this, you know, deep state operation run for, run by foreign agencies yep. that had managed international Freemasonic networks for <laughs> many, many, many centuries. And that's what the U.S. ended up having to deal with. And, and many great presidents who stood up to this thing 
I mean, we're all facing the same beast at different different times in their lives. And this brings us back to the, the FDIC, because when did this thing come in? It came in at a time when the world was, was going transhumanist, globalist, fascist back in 1933. And this is all of the nations of the world were being tweaked for, for decades before that with their populations molded to accept the idea that we have to sterilize the, the useless eaters, bring about death chambers to cull the, you know, those we can't re rehabilitate who have, you know, <laughs> bad thoughts um, that are just not able to adapt to the norms of the, the beautiful society that we're supposed to bring into being. But that was eugenics. We had this going on in Indiana with sterilization laws. We were sterilizing people in Indiana back in 1907. Yep. And, you know, Rockefeller Foundation, Carnegie Foundation were, were created to pour tons of money into schools, into, into health policy that brought that expanded this from Indiana to 33 other states by 1933 that were all doing sterilization, teaching the science of sterilization of the un, the mentally unfit, those with low IQs, those born hereditarily blind. All of there's a whole science, kind of like they 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 promote. They call this thing called man-made global global warming today. Science. They were doing the same thing for the science of eugenics, and you were getting yeah. degrees in this shit, and so. You know, this was being in Alberta and in BC. We sterilized seven thousand people for having low IQs. We still do it. I mean, yeah. our government was had to admit not that long, like a year ago that they were still providing incentives to indigenous native communities to get sterilized. Um, it's still going on. It was never re it was never stopped up here. I don't know about the U.S. Probably the same. Mm -hmm. So, and that's just one component of it, right? There's so many more facets before Germany even started doing it. Yeah, Hitler was inspired by us. All of his, all of the Nazi eugenics pol policies were all modeled on what the U.S. and Canada had already been doing. Yeah. It's just that he was a little bit less hypocritical about it. And we were trying to like masquerade it behind like this moral Christian veneer a little bit more that we were somehow a democratic society. It didn't really work. Whereas Hitler was just like, yeah, we're not a democracy. Let's just go ahead and do it. Uh, <laughs> and he really embraced it. And we saw what it looked like full throttle. But all that to say, this is what FDR was stepping into, was this entire world being remolded into a new type of, of society that would be shut off of its ancient traditions that, that you know, allowed for the Judeo-Christian uh, value system that put the idea of sacredness onto human life in a way that, you know, you could say all life is sacred. The the, the bees are sacred. The, the cows are sacred. My dog is sacred because they're alive. And to a certain degree, they're made by God's in, in God's creation as part of God's creation. So yeah, you could say that. But at the same time, if you step on a bug, you're not going to go to jail. If you eat a chicken, you're not going to go to jail. If you eat your neighbor's baby, different story. Why is that? Why do we have a different you know, value for the different types of souls that exist in animating living beings? Well, there's something about human beings that makes us emit like unique because maybe we have a, you know, a capacity of using divine reason, reflecting, using humility, wisdom, all of these things that animals don't do. We could think about doing things in a better way. And so coming out of this common access to this power, we have rights that animals don't have, right? We, th th these, this is something that Ben Franklin, all of the founding fathers were believed in very, like if they, if they didn't believe in this deeply, they couldn't have created the American Revolution to begin with and created a new type of system of government. And FDR had to deal with the fact that, okay, this is all being flushed as we're bringing about a new idea of human beings as just these machines 
to be canceled or scrapped if they become too ex- expensive to maintain yeah. or defective by some glitch in the in the in the software. Well, we can just like you know destroy it, melt it down, build a new one, or just make test two babies, right? Which is also something that H.G. Wells was talking about and, and Aldous Huxley back around those same times in the 1930s. And leading Nazis were looking very seriously, like Mengele, at how do you create a new species? Yeah, they want to create the slave class, and that what what better way to grow slaves or serfs than having factory uh, test two babies? Absolutely, you know? yeah. Perfect. All grown in artific- artificial wombs, you know? Yeah, and, sure and then you can say... required to not ask questions. Right. And because they're not fully human, because God knows if their genes have been spliced or will be spliced, they won't have any human rights. It's the ideal setup for for uh, for these elites. Well, they've already been creating a, a precedent for it with, like, years, a few decades now of allowing Monsanto and private companies to own genetically modified you know variants of life corn things anything that they can just like splice and add it like a new gene to it still looks like corn but now you own that particular species of corn because it's no longer corn because you put a little bit of a a fish dna in it right Right. and i'm not against gmos entirely if you if you have a moral society i can imagine why gmos could be done well but at the same time under the current death cult philosophy that's currently managing this shit show yeah, they, they're saying, okay, well, now we've got precedence for owning different species of life that we've tweaked. And now they're talking about doing the same thing with CRISPR technology what, that involves like. You don't, you don't trust Bill Gates? Well, he has nice sweaters. Yeah, he does. He, uh, the sweater choices could, could, could change. Are you making fun of my sweater, V? <laughs> oh, I didn't realize. <laughs> See, this is how it is. See, Bill Gates, just like with CJ, he wears a nice sweater. There's something disarming about a man who wears a sweater. With and a button-down shirt underneath it. And yet there was something about Siege that, that got me today. I was like, there's something evil about Siege today. And I was like, I don't know it's why. The sweater. It's the sweater. That was Siege. Mine's a friendlier Mr. Rogers version. Siege, <laughs> <laughs> I ban you from wearing sweaters on, right. while we're live. Right. The only thing you, wear, you, you could wear a crazy Christmas sweater on every broadcast. This is where you look more festive. There we go. There we go. Do that. I'll do that. Yeah. <laughs> so okay. So where was it? So this is what FDI, right? Because we're talking about the FDIC bail-ins. So you had a controlled demolition, kind of like today. We had a controlled demolition of the banking system. And anybody who says otherwise that the banking collapse in 1929 was a complete unforeseeable accident. It was just an unforeseeable yeah. accident. Yeah. That all of the broker call, you know, all all of the broker call loans were all called in on the same day at the same hour across the board. Yeah, sure. All of that happened where all of the brokers who are dealing with other people's money, doing irresponsible things, getting a lot of a lot of returns for basically speculating with people's savings. Um, They all had to basically admit all at once. Oh, shit. We don't really have the money to pay back the loans we took to uh, to gamble. And they had to start admitting that they had to default and that created a chain reaction and a mass deleveraging the whole banking system. Black to right. Anybody on the on the on the JP Morgan list of course they were fine they made they they made so much money i mean it's like blackrock today just buying up or vanguard buying up all of the properties that they know they know are are all being set up to be part of a broader economic collapse so you saw a wealth transfer of all of these people <laughs> in the know selling their shit stock that was going to blow up from actual money using that money to buy up industrial the industrial base the farmings uh the, the farms of america real estate things that that existed in the real world they bought up on mass biggest wealth tra- wealth transfer we had ever seen ever 
And they didn't do anything with that. They didn't, they didn't like try hard to make money by retooling the, in, the industries or, or employing people to produce food or, or produce whatever goods you were doing. None of that. They, they made sure that with their ownership of these things, that they shut down the production systems, creating scarcity. So it's like, well, where is their value coming in from? What, what do they value? What are they a part of? And for four years, people were like pushed into the mud. We lost something like 6,000 banks went bankrupt between 1929 and 30, end of 32. Yep. And that's a huge number of banks that went bankrupt. Then, of course, America doesn't have, unlike Canada, you don't have a, 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 a tradition of too big to fails. We don't have thousands of small and medium banks. Like that does that's not a thing. We always had six. It was once in like the 1860s, 70s, it was six too big to fail banks, and that's all we had. Later on, we had some some credit unions. But uh, but even today, that's that's still all it is. It's like big the big five banks is all we have in Canada. You in America have had a different tradition where you have thousands of other smaller banks. And you see, like, for people who want to see how one of these things work when when it's when it's when your society is not you know, like set up to fail, read "It's a Wonderful" or watch "It's a Wonderful Life." That's actually did you guys watch "It's a Wonderful Life" with the, with your political mindset? You know what? Uh, yeah, I, I actually went to go see the play uh, right before Christmas this year. Yes. Or, yeah, oh wow! Yeah, that's so cultured. Yeah, it was okay. a local local theater over here had it so. Yeah, I like to take the kiddo out for the for plays and stuff. Okay, well yeah. that that's the, the the Bailey Bank. I mean, the, the yep. way that that is a small bank with a community bank. That's the way banks are supposed to function. People have to make a case why they need a loan, what they're going to do with it. The bank has a relationship with the people, and it's an engine of the 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 well being and growth of the society. So the bank gets this little return for the the risk it's taking, but the risk is all tied to reasonable, justifiable investments yep. uh, in the real world, and that's good. Um, this whole uh, uh, you know merger of these these different entities to create too big to fails is a relatively new phenomenon, but it was already kind of bad. It was it was an it was a problem back in the twenties and thirties. Not like today, but it was still a problem. But these banks in the under Hoover, President Hoover, had a had a, a gun up to the the federal government, saying, you know, if we go down, we're taking you with us. So you better find ways to give us free money. And that was why Hoover created the the Reconstruction Finance Corporation. He didn't create it to provide loans for the develop the development of infrastructure. He created it, and you could see it like eighty percent. I looked at the the studies. 80% of the, the the loans issued through the Reconstruction Finance Corporation of Ho under Hoover all went to just bailing out the J.P. Morgan, the Rockefeller Banks, Chase Manhattan, or Manhattan Bank. Um, it didn't create anything of real value. So the the again, the, the real economy was permitted to atrophy and atrophy and shut down by design while the banks were just e extracting whatever they could from the backs of the citizenry as they were promoting fascism as the great global solution to all of our problems, right? Mussolini makes, Mussolini makes the trains run on time. Yeah. You know, don't you want to, to have a, you know, a bread on your table to feed your kids? Don't you want a job working on trains? And it's like, all you, don't you want some Lieberschwam? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. More Lieberschwam. Lieberschwam. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's it. And, and the whole Anglo-American elite were all on board with fascism as this, this miracle solution. They had a banker and the, don't think that the fascists of Mussolini or Hitler who had this uneasy relationship were the guys making the decisions of anything really of value at the end of the day, the day they were installed and deployed and maintained 
by the same Anglo-American, especially Anglo. I'm here talking about the the city of London's, uh, you know, center command center of the 20th century and, to, and today. That was always the banker's dictatorship behind the enforcers, the 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 bagmen, the 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 muscle who would be enforcing policies down the throat of the people around the world. And the world was going to be divided up between, you know, like Germany was going to get some Eastern Europe and Russia for their slave colony. Um, they were they were given their promises. Japan fascists, who, by the way, today are seeing a huge rehabilitation. It's not just in Ukraine. It's also in Japan. Yeah. A conscious effort to rehabilitate the Japanese war, war machine and all of these killers in the 1930s and 40s who slaughtered millions of innocent people. That's being rehabilitated to make it seem like these were actually the heroes of the war yep. on, under new, you know, Western sponsored reconditioning, re-education pro, uh, processing in textbooks of history. And at the same time, animating the decisions that Japan is currently making to change their constitution, to allow for aggressive wars against anybody who threatens their allies, whatever that means. Cause who's Japan's ally when you have 50,000 us troops stationed in Japan as a colony, a military colony, they got a lot of balls, man. Yeah, and they're now buying up Lockheed Martin, you know, other other U.S. military industrial, uh, per, you know, systems like you know, even they're they're trying to install supersonic missiles, um, pointed at China, while you have saber rattling and belligerent, you know, military buildups on pressing on China's perimeter, and, and Japan is being used. So they were going to have back to my, the point: the new world order was going to be Japan controls China a big chunk of, of Asia, Germany controls Russia, Britain and the, the, their American, you know, junior partners are going to going to control Western Europe, North America. Mussolini is going to get his terrain. A lot of it's going to be Latin America, some North Africa. And, you know, they're, they're going to divvy up the world that way. That didn't work. And so FDR goes to war with this whole machine in London. He does the same thing in the United States. And so the FD, the creation of the FDIC, was originally part of a, of a full-spectrum war on this entire transhumanist post-nation-state order. And it was done to, on the one hand, you got to like give people some guarantees and some security that you don't have to keep pulling your money out of the banks. We have to make the banks behave as instruments for the greater good. But to do that, you got to tell people, convince them that, look, we're it's insured for the first time. We're going to insure, like, in, at the time it was $100,000. Now it's $250,000. I think in Canada, it's still only 100000 But that was sufficient for most people. Like Most people don't have more than that anyway in their, their accounts. So that was part of it. But if it was only that, it wouldn't be adequate because, frankly, the money was still not there to cover 100% of the uh, those assets that were insured. So what, what made this thing work was he also did simultaneously something that our current governments for the past decades have not wanted to do, which is glass steel. You break up the banks. Right. Right. You say that there's no such thing as too big to fail. If you failed, you failed. And he let something like 6,000 other banks go that were insolvent that couldn't that open their books and prove that they didn't have any assets in a million years to cover their losses. They went bankrupt. And so a lot of banks went bankrupt. He then dragged a bunch of bankers who gambled with other people's money and lied to the people systemically over the course of the 19 the roaring 20s. He brought them to court. He had Ferdinand Pecora. A special process. We need a Pecora Commission again. Yeah, it's not that hard to do. Yeah. I mean, he, he demonstrated how it works. He brought J.P. Morgan, J John Pierpont Morgan um, Jr. to, to court and uh, and forced the, forced the media to cover how these guys committed their abuses. Many, many leading bankers went to prison. Um, he then created the SEC, the Security Exchange Commission, 
for the first time to have an oversight body that would actually oversee the behavior of these, these gamblers who had formerly took people's savings and gambled with them against the will of the people because there was no separation between commercial and investment banking. It was all under done under, under one roof. And, and Glass-Steagall broke all of that. So you had all of this, but what really made it work was the fact that the idea of value was was brought back to how Lincoln, how Hamilton, how McKinley were conceptualizing economic value, which is that your 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 nation has to always be investing in the future in the real world by increasing the productive powers of labor. So if you if your money system and your investments are detached at any point from the process of reality that is based upon the need to overcome limits to growth, make life better for people by investing in new discoveries, new R&D, applying it to the production process, changing your education system in accordance with new discoveries as they come out, and ever more um, facilitate the plasticity of the, the topography of the system, right? Because every time you have a new idea, it's a, if it's a true and good idea, you're, you're somebody working on a production line, you have a new idea of how to make it better, you tell the boss. If, 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 you're, if you don't have a flexible, adaptive system, which is creative, they, that will be seen as a disturbance to be destroyed. That person will be fired because the way we do things is different. It does, it's not compatible with your new idea, jackass. So they will crush that person. Whereas if you, and that's part of the problem today is that all of the, the innovation has been built up in either um, the military industrial complex or in entertainment, technology involving turning people's minds off and getting, getting them to escape into into some fake virtual reality land. It's not actually any, look at the, the former industrial zones of Michigan, Philadelphia, any Windsor, Ontario, that used to be the, the parts of the world where Hitler said if he was going to bomb, if he had his wish list of V2 rocket en uh, engines, and and if, if he had all of the proper like rocketry that he was putting online, ready to go, he had his list of the different places he would bomb. Detroit was number one. Yep. London, not Washington, it was Detroit. Yep. Why? Because that was the zone that was carrying the productive weight of, of Russia, providing the, the tools the Russians needed to carry out their fight. All like the amount of production was incredible. And and so that is has been allowed to atrophy. It looks like dark age. It know, looks like Beirut bombed out. Post bombing Beirut. Yeah. yeah. That's what these places have become. So we did it to ourselves. We, we've not been advancing technology. And so with FDR's New Deal, the idea was the, the Reconstruction Finance Corporation was now not going to be just used as an instrument to bail out Wall Street banks. He forced this thing to be transformed into effectively a national bank, a real Lincoln-style national bank. I shouldn't even say Lincoln because Lincoln, Lincoln was killed before he could get one of these things going. Right. Uh, he came close to his greenbacks. But he basically used this thing so that it bypassed the Federal Reserve. It provided the type of lending to the Tennessee Valley Authority, to the Hoover, Hoover Dam project, all of the thousands of other projects, big and small, that were animated. It, it looks actually, if you look at what FDR did and you compare it to how China has built up the Belt and Road Initiative, utilizing four state banks primarily with a few uh, secondary banks under the, the umbrella of these state-owned banks that's what they that it's only fdr that's the only precedent that we have of how this is working today in the 20th century so it, it the whole idea was 5 10 20 year projects think ahead build the dams that currently idiot eco cultists in california 
are, are pouring $500 million to destroying viable hydroelectric dams that provide water and electricity to farms all over the north of California. That's being shut down to liberate the rivers. That was all built up under FDR. And so the idea was the very opposite. They call it the Green New Deal. They're saying, oh, it's for the Green New Deal that the spirit of the Green New Deal that we're... It, 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 it's, a, it's, it's the green. They're referring to the money that these elites will be making off of deindustrializing us. Exactly. That's all it is. Yeah. That is that's all it is. The actual green. They're destroying the green. I mean, by taking down the dams, the water, the water systems and everything else that are being organized by the dams, the reservoirs, you're, these were green areas that you were going to make deserts. You are taking green areas and turning them into deserts and saying the desert is the natural ecosystem. What does that mean? Philosophically, they're saying that death is the natural state of affairs over this artificial thing called life, which humans do when we desalinate water, when we manage river systems in a more intelligent way that allows for the replenishment of, you know, vitamins into the soil that had been dead for, for generations. Now, all of a sudden, you can, you can make deserts bloom. Look at what Gaddafi was doing. He was making the, the a big chunk of, of Libya, the Sahara, blossom under his great man-made water project. That's what China's doing with its Move South Water North project today. Yeah. It, be, it began 14 Greening years ago. Greening of deserts. Green the deserts. That's the way to be yeah. green. Green the desert. But that means you also have to embrace the idea that human beings are not animals, that our lives are sacred, that we can overcome the limits to growth, that we're going to need industry. We might need to even produce carbon dioxide by burning burning things which oh my god plants like that and think of it as food like all of this stuff in industrial output which is carbon dioxide right agro-industrial output is not a toxic poison as we've been as the poor idiot gretas out there have been brainwashed in their messed up school systems to believe that is an excellent movie by the way oh yeah yeah the the the, the chinese uh uh, what is it called? The Great Wall with yep. uh, Matt Damon. It's actually pretty fun. Um, what do you got there? Yeah, that, that, that's right. I'm going to show you the before, before and after. after. They're, they're, they're starting to green the Gobi, man. It's, it's incredible. Yeah. And NASA <clears throat> NASA just demonstrated through their, their satellites. Like in 2019, they had feedback from their, their satellites that were just measuring the amount of photo, uh, chlorophyll, photosynthesis on the Earth. And they were, they were expecting to bring back reports of how much photosynthesis has been destroyed over the course of the past, you know, decades of industrial activity. No, 10% more biomass has been, was discovered to have been created in the, in only 20 years. 75% of that heavy lifting came specifically from India and from China, China, number one, India, number two, Yep. nothing really of the viable from the West. And they have transformed big chunks of the Gobi by 2050. They're planning to have a big chunk of that Gobi much more than even now greened. They're moving water from areas that are flooding too much in the south up north where there's a lot of drought, just like what JFK and Bobby Kennedy were working on and looking at it in terms of bringing north water from the north from the WAPA, the North American Water and Power Lines, where it's not being used. It's like a desert cold tundra in the north of a, of a lot of wastewater and channel 5, 10% of that water down through a series of, of a few dozen dams and locks, a few reservoirs along the way, and that would completely have greened by the 1970s, if that had not been sabotaged, you could have already have seen a total greening of California, uh, California, Texas, Arizona, all of this down in Mexico could have already been lush blossoming, uh, you know, zones of on top of the fact that they wouldn't have been deindustrialized de as well. That's what China's doing right now as we speak. And so part of, I think, the reason why people are being so 
there's so much effort right now, propaganda wise, to get people, especially conspiracy oriented minds who consider themselves, you know, traditional conservative minded people in the West who, who don't want to um, be enslaved under a global great reset. There's so much propaganda being promoted every single second of the day yep. to hate and fear China. And I think, you know, when you actually look at what China is doing economically on every level, it's because they represent too much of a memory of what we once were as far as a viable nation that was fit to thrive that we yeah. once were. And they're doing it. They're actually they're they've they've gone from having three percent of their population living in the middle middle income bracket in 2001 down up to 54 percent of their population is now middle income. In 850 only, million people taken out of poverty. Probably even more than that directly, more, uh, indirectly when you take it in secondary things. And, and on top of that, yeah, no, they're, they're continuously going outside of themselves to think, well, how can they help other countries utilize the similar type of model to pull themselves into a situation like in uh, Ethiopia where they have a massive business relation? They're doing it with the slave populations of the Uyghurs, man. Yeah, exactly. Oh, man. <laughs> the, 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 and, it's, and if you ask anybody to prove it, like give me some actual hard they evidence. Can. No, you get anecdotes, anecdotes. This this anonymous source said this. This person living in Turkey, which I mean, increasingly now Turkey is waking up as well, which is actually yeah. another interesting thing, right? Like, like exactly, Turkey, which had formerly been uh, a beachhead of um, deep of, of of regime change operations. Not that Turkey wanted to do this, but they they're a weaker country in regard, and they're part of NATO. They've got a lot of you know Operation Gladio. CIA MI6 operations going back to the, the 40s and even before that, messing with them and creating whole fifth columns in Turkey, like Fethullah Gulen represented oh, yeah. a big, big Fabian society. Like a you figure the assassination yeah. attempt on Erdogan would have woken him up, right? Yeah, I think it, and it kind of did. It was a it was a slap of reality. And and you know, he did start pushing back and uh and telling the world Uyghur Congress to uh to behave and 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 stop uh using Turkey as a platform to promote, um, you know, all sorts of lies about what's going on in China and the West, which after you look at the evidence of what's going on in China and the West, and you don't look at various people who have been, you know, used by the National Endowment for Democracy to be, you know, useful idiots repeating shit that they've been told by think tankers. But if you actually look at the evidence of Xinjiang and the life of the people living there, no, I mean you actually have the very opposite of genocide. The average life expectancy has almost doubled. Yeah, it's the worst genocide program I've ever seen. It's so unsuccessful. Yeah, I mean, my God, it's t it completely backfired on them. <laughs> yeah, really badly planned out. They're, yeah. they're living longer, more productive per, per person. They're they're they they they're they're still speaking. Their 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 youngest generations are still speaking their native languages. Still telling their their ancient stories that have not been crushed, even though the Chinese government has, I'm sure, tried to to do all of these things. They're, they they never had a one child policy. They still can produce as many kids as they want. And I mean, that's a bad, that's a really unaffected genocide. And on top of that, they're learning skills. They're becoming engineers. They're they've got high speed rail. They've got you know faster internet than I have than I have here, where I live a little bit south of Montreal. Um, like bad genocide, same thing for the debate. So if the actual hard evidence demonstrates the very opposite of the re of the so-called fake reality we have been told by our corporate media is actually what's going on. And I mean, and, and then people say, oh, I don't trust my government. I don't trust Trudeau. I don't trust Biden. But then but then it's actually but then they say, but thank God we're sanctioning uh, China for their abuse 
their anti-human abuse of the the Muslim. But I believe them when it comes to international politics. Yeah, and that's that- the problem. Yeah. Yeah. But don't worry, we have guys like Bill Gates. You saw the, the, the latest initiative by this joker? No. CJ, no offense on the sweater, okay? I, I was just joking with you. <laughs> he has a jacket on in his most recent video, so I'm yes, okay. Yes, I'm bringing it up right now. Just don't wear this jacket, okay? Roger. Well, well, the Gates Foundation has partnered with Diffit on a great number of things, and uh, among those are, are work we do together on livestock. Oh, happy day. Uh, helping animals survive uh, either by having vaccines or better genetics, uh, helping them be more productive. It's making a big difference. Uh, you know, I was down in Ethiopia seeing how chickens are out there uh, laying more eggs, getting more nutrition, uh, and even some small savings into the household. So uh, Edinburgh happens to be where a lot of the world's best work on this is done, and that's why uh, Diffid and the Gates Foundation are, are funding scientists here. Mm. <laughs> a noble soul. There's been a COVID breakout, okay, amongst the cows. We must now vaccinate cows. Man, really, eh? Dude. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I know. It's, 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 but it, well, this is the same eugenics thinking, like the, this, the same overarching philosophy that, that was animating the recipients of, of, uh, funding from the Rockefeller Foundation in the 1920s and 30s that were promoting the science of eugenics, that were promoting even Mengele's work, um, and looking at how do you retweak the genome, it's or how do you map the genome such that you could then create the or control the forces of Darwinian natural selection. Which, by the way, Darwin is Darwin didn't discover anything. He 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 found he some tools were were innovated that allowed for the manipulation of people. And they they extrapolated some of the mechanisms that were useful for manipulating people, and then they made them universal laws. And that's all they did with Darwin. There is no evidence that any of the actual causal mechanisms of Darwinism were ever solid, were ever based on actu- how the universe and how life actually is wired. It's, 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 it's completely bunk. But they needed it to justify the political uh, system of the global British Empire, of the Cecil Rhodes you know, global uh, federation under a world government of of a hereditary elite who already have presumed that they are of a superior species than the slave class species that they are destined by blood to rule over. So they've already been living this way for thousands of years, but they lacked a certain scientific justification why their system should exist when when people were beginning to realize that, "Mm, you know, this is actually, we can do things better. And so Darwin was literally just one important component to creating a new system of science that was all based on just managing the herd, you know, and, and Dar- Galton, Darwin's cousin, Herbert Spencer, um, who emerged out of this, creating new social systems, extrapolating that to human societal uh, controls, just with different variants. Like Herbert Spencer is very attractive to the, uh, the libertarian Austrian school crowd. You know, because Herbert Spencer was like, you know, the, the the strong will weed out the unfit if you just let it all be, right? Laissez-faire. Just let the system just roll its course, give everybody their personal liberties to do whatever they want to do, have no government control in anything. And then the the strong will emerge as the Uber mentioned naturally by just being better people. The Bill Gateses are just going to naturally emerge um, and the weak will be killed off just because they're weak. And that'll be the way it is. But he sounds like he's more a big a bigger fan of freedom, right? So people tend to who are more freedom loving are like, oh yeah, I like that guy. If I have to choose between him and this other guy, Galton, 
And Galton was like, no, we can't trust this to just be laissez-faire. We need to have centralized control on the system of de-weeding the human garden, right? Filtering the gene pool. That has to be centralized and only a scientific dictatorship from the top could could manage the, the levers. Yeah. So it became a false debate, but both sides ultimately had were in complete accord with the same fundamental assumptions. So it became sort of like what we saw with um, um, Keynes versus von Hayek in, mm. in the 1931-32. London School of Economics organized this fake debate between John Maynard Keynes, a eugenicist Malthusian, versus uh, Friedrich von Hayek, an Austrian school libertarian devotee of Karl Menger, who appears on the surface to be much more freedom-loving, but then you actually read uh, von Hayek's writings, like at the end of Road to Serfdom, people, they, they tend to ignore this. He calls for a one-world government to be the enforcer of a global set of rules that everybody has to abide by <laughs> in order to make this global free market system, you like ivory tower thing function. It needs a global uh, benign feudal order to enforce the, the correct behavior amongst the parts. He's also a eugenicist in the sense that he believes in Malthus and he writes, yeah. uh, von Hayek writes yep, treaties yep. in defense of Malthus. Um, so, I mean, it's a fake debate. Both of them, Keynes and Hayek are lifelong friends. It's Emmanuel yeah. Goldstein, bro. That's what it is. <laughs> Who's Goldstein? Emmanuel Goldstein. 1984. Oh, sh yeah. He, he right, controlled right. opposition. Yeah, exactly. Emmanuel Gold yeah, did he even exist? No. <laughs> yeah, it's it's complete controlled opposition. So we're being played again and again. And the reality is when you again look at what FDR did, look at what Lincoln was doing, look at what McKinley was doing, look at what every great American president who was assassinated is doing. Look at how constitutional banking works. Look at what Ben Franklin was thinking regarding meritocracy. See, I'm just recapping now. Look at what he was actually organizing regarding his concept of natural law enshrined in a government that rejects the hereditary order and instead posits that every human being is sovereign and that the law has to fulfill, including economic law, which Ben Franklin, he, he, he destroys Maltus before there was Maltus. If anybody wants a, wants a good Ben Franklin read, pick up his 1751 observations concerning the increase of mankind. Ben Franklin is annihilating the Malthusians before there was Maltus. They were still thinking this way. And Maltus is what went on to inform Charles Darwin Later on, as Darwin was trying to figure out, well, what is the mechanism that I'm going to say is causing the changes of species from from lower order species to to different species in time? He said, I found it in Malthus's essay on population. That's what he says in his autobiography was the 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 race for scarcity in a world of diminishing returns. He said, finally, created a tension whereby creative innovation arises. And he got this idea from Malthus. Ben Franklin annihilates that. Ben Franklin works to create a new type of political economy founded upon the studies of both China as well as Colbertin, uh, Colbertist uh, principles that were what animated the best of French and even English traditions before the American Revolution. So this is what was taken up by Alexander Hamilton, who innovated what a real national bank, real protectionism, real internal development should actually be. And this is what every great president who's shot at or dies while in office is all invoking. And this is what China and the Belt and Road Initiative and the new architecture, security, and financial that's emerging around Russia, China, Iran, increasingly also Turkey as Turkey builds diplomatic bridges. Now that's currently happening with Syria for the first time since 2011. They're being brought on board the Gulf states, insane psychopath, like nations like the like Saudi Arabia, who have been so tightly controlled just as Turkey has. 
and were all promised by their over by their controllers that they would all have certain jurisdictions in the new world order. Saudi Arabia would have its jurisdiction. Turkey would have their greater Ottoman Empire promised to them as as being local managers. But the Kurds were also told and promised by their their Anglo-American handlers that they would have Kurdistan finally as this region that overlaps Iran and Iraq and Syria and Turkey. And they would finally have that. And everyone was given these promises. And I think finally they they all came to the same, probably helped by Russia and China, arranging backdoor, uh, back-channel diplomacy. They, they got people from, from Saudi Arabia, Turkey. The, the Kurds are still left out of the loop. They're, they're, I feel bad for the idiot Kurds. But they've all been, I mean, not all Kurds, but I mean the ones who have been used like tools to, to fight pro- as proxies for a war. They, yes, the right? Americans, they will help us. Yeah, I don't want to insult my, my Kurdish friends out there. I just mean those ones. He's talking about the lackeys who were uh, set up by the CIA again. They, but they all sat down, it seems, in the same room and talked with each other, which they never did before, and realized they've all been promised things that overlap each other, that they're all that the promises mean nothing. They're all flushable. And now they're realizing that the only game in town which is viable which actually cares about their survival and win and and self-interest in a genuine way is coming from Eurasia. It's not coming from the the former controllers of these areas. So you have the most incredible, and I think this is again going to shape really 2023. This is the most important thing: is that when you look at Sergei Glazyev, one of the key figures organizing the Eurasian economic this alternative Eurasian economic system with the integration of the Eurasian Economic Union ever more with the Belt and Road Initiative, as well as with the North-South Transportation Corridor. I mean, he's working with his Chinese colleagues on a very high level. He is, he is a student of LaRouche's science of economy, and he has said so and described as much. I mean, the, this is like the driving force of world progress that's happening, and the oligarchy is losing control of that entire part of the world. And I think that that's like the, the only reason why I'm I'm currently an optimistic person is because I actually see for the first time a viable fight yeah, same. Time brought to the table right now that yep. could crush this oligarchy's power and provide maybe not in the, in the immediate short term, but, a, but at the very least in the next decades, a real viable future where we in the West here can rediscover what we once were by working on things that transcend the, the light, you know, the, the, the bookends of our birth and death. That's yeah. the way we find ourselves is work on things that are going to measurably and intelligibly live beyond the, the limits of our lives. And as we do these things for our kids and grandkids and humanity, we become better people. We discover more of what we are and we tap into the same source that people like Ben Franklin and, and those who died for the revolution back in 1776 were tapping into that source. That's all good. That's, that's Absolutely. If we do that. We won't be perfect people, but we'll be better people and we'll be people who are not compatible with being slaves under an oligarchical uh, wannabe god class, which is really good. That's a great way, I think, to look at the future. Very well said, Matt, and I agree with you 100%. If it was not for the multipolar world, I, too, would have lost all hope in humanity. Amen. And a, a real fight. Not only is it a fight, but it's actually winning, and it's winning much of the world. Thank God for that. Yep. Matthew Eric, thank you for joining us, man. It's been awesome. Uh, time flies when you're having fun. Again, folks, you can go check out Matt's work over at CanadianPatriot.org, CanadianPatriot.org, as well as the Rising Tide Foundation.net, and get the books for both Matthew and Cynthia. Super important that you do. With that being said, CJ, hey, Matt, any last words? Oh, that's, that's pretty good. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, just I just know somebody asked, what did Maury Strong do in China? Um, 
my volume two of Clash of the Two Americas has a whole chapter on Maury Strong. And uh, yeah, he was, he was basically thrown away. Uh, he, 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 uh, he made some, some missteps and was deployed to bring the green agenda into China. And that's what he did for the last 10 years of his uh, horrific and horror-filled life as a, uh, a tool of the oligarchy. So I just want to say that one, that one caught my eye. Um, otherwise, yeah, no, the, uh, the only thing I would say on top of that would be um, in about two weeks' time, Volume 4 of The Clash of the Two Americas on the Anglo-Venetian roots of the deep state is going to be released. So keep your eyes peeled for that. That's going to be explosive, going from Babylon to Venice to Britain and, and beyond. So that'll be a, a, a big read. Very well said. And with that being said, CJ, take it away.